When opportunity knocks, be prepared to answer the door. A midlife career crisis could be just the knock into entrepreneurship you need. Sometimes, however, opportunity doesn't knock. Sometimes it only whispers. Those fleeting thoughts in the back of your entrepreneurial mind to start your business at midlife could become a reality, even during challenging times. And in this final episode of Women's History Month Rewind, we talk to a coach who specializes in helping midlife career potential entrepreneurs to shift. This is going to be a great rewind episode, and I hope that you enjoy it. It is a great day on today, and I thank you for joining me on this week's podcast. We have had some wonderful guests and some wonderful interviews along the way, and today will be no different. My guest today hails from San Francisco Bay Area by way of Australia. Her name is Catherine Hosey. She has been coaching full-time since 2003, and she has over 10,000 hours of coaching experience and now works primarily with men in leadership roles that are frankly bored with their life. She supports them by finding or supports them in finding a new and exciting direction to which they can devote the second half of their lives to. She, is a, she has a Master of Science degree in coaching psychology from the University of Sydney and was president of the International Coach Federation Australia, leading over 1,300 coaches across two countries. She is Australian and has lived all around the world. She is now permanently based in San Francisco Bay Area and works virtually with clients around the world. I am pleased to welcome Catherine Hosey, the Midlife Transition Coach, to this podcast. Welcome, Catherine. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mark. It's good to be here. I am so glad that you agreed to do today's interview, you know, and I think you may be the first international interview that I've had in my first 15 podcasts. So I appreciate That's great. It. Okay, good. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and bring a new perspective. Awesome. This is going to be an awesome show. Mm-hmm. I want to make today's show theme, Midlife is Not Too Late you can still shift your life. Well, Catherine, I gave a brief interview of you and I want you to take some time out to take us a little bit deeper into your life and into your experience and let us know just a little bit more about you. Mm-hmm. Well, um, first of all, Mark Keith, I completely agree that, that midlife is not too late. In fact, midlife is the opportunity really that we have 
to to do something meaningful with our life for a number of reasons. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that more today, I'm sure. Um, so really, I see midlife as being the opportunity, the, you know, the profound one. Um, I started, you know, coaching a long time ago. Um, I've coached all different types of people. And I've, um, I've found over the years that um, almost invariably, the people that I was working with were, you know, coming from that space of midlife or the people that I enjoyed working with the most because they were willing to explore, they were willing to really look at themselves and find out what was meaningful. And so um, as time's gone by, um, I've found that the biggest value I add is when I'm working with men that are going through midlife. And the reason that I find I can add the most value to men is because very often they don't have anyone that they can talk these things through with. Um, And I've found that the level of safety and acceptance and reassurance that they get from coaching is um, profoundly important to them. Whereas women often have networks around them, they're more inclined to express what they're going through. I think that men tend to keep it a lot more buttoned up. And so having that space to explore it and find out what the opportunity is, is, um, is the thing that touches me the most as well. I think that's an awesome, awesome opportunity, you know, and you being a woman deciding that, you know, midlife uh, work with men would be your particular lane. You know, how hard was it for you to decide to do that type of work, knowing that um, you were going to choose to work with men in in their midlife uh, experiences? It, it was difficult um, because I think that by nature, it's we all want to do everything. And I've had so much experience and I've got such a, a background with my education in coaching and so on that there are so many types of people that I can work with. You know, you know, I can work with peak performance and positive psychology and organizational diagnosis and all of these different things. Um, and I found that the it's almost like sometimes our ability can stop us from focusing. Um, and so I found it was... It was hard, and one of the things that I really struggled with was um, was which gender to work with because I feel like there's such a focus these days on supporting women and helping women to to make changes and empowering them and so on. Um, but I've always had a, um, I guess you could say, a certain um, uh, definitely an interest in the psychology of men and and what they go through. And I've been reading books about men for at least, oh gosh at least a decade now in terms of what they go through. Um, And I think that uh, it was hard. I think making a decision to focus on one thing always means letting go of others. There's there's a wonderful book called Necessary Endings, which it's it's an amazing book by a guy called Henry Cloud. And uh, one of the things he talks about is how our life is kind of like a rose bush. Every rose bush actually produces far more buds than it can ever actually really bring to flower um, and and how, you know, a good pruner will know that they have to let go of some very, very beautiful potential rosebuds in order to put the maximum energy into the ones that are really going to be the best. And, and I feel that with finding our niche, it's like we have to really prune that rose bush and, and cut some opportunities that, that could also be good in order to serve the most um, – serve the area that we choose with the most energy and focus. Yes. You know, I remember listening to a video uh, interview with Will Smith and, you know, it's very key to understand the idea or the true meaning of what it means to decide. Uh, 
And when you were talking, it reminded me of that video because what he said was that the true root origin of the word decide means to cut off. Exactly. You're, you're absolutely right. And many of us sometimes have trouble making decisions, which then also gives us problems later on because we haven't cut off the things that are not particularly going to help us get to where we need to go because we have indecision. And so when we decide on a particular niche or decide on a particular house or decide on where we're going to go, we literally are cutting off the other options. And he goes on to talk about how he decided that he was going to be successful and that there was no reason for him to have a plan B because he said, if I had a plan B, it took away from plan A. And I just thought that was a very profound statement that he made. Well, you know, everything you're saying is is really resonating with me because I remember when I first started my coaching practice um, and there was this moment when I, I realized it was difficult. It was 2003, heading into 2004, and, of course, starting a business takes time. And I remember this uh, particular moment where I thought to myself, I can never go back to working for somebody else. And I thought I have to, you know, that, that analogy of burning your bridges, mm-hmm. but I thought mm-hmm. I have to cut off any option of this not working. And, and I, I think that's what made the difference. Because so many people give themselves a way out and then they don't persist. That is very good. Very good advice. Mm. Decide. Make a decision. Mm. Cut off those other options and make a decision and press forward toward that decision that you have made. Very good start to the podcast. Mm. Well, the podcast's primary focus is really to help individuals step great, greatly into their own personal purpose and to embrace their passion so that they can prosper in their life. And one of the first questions I like to ask every guest on the podcast is why is it important that individuals identify their purpose in life and know what they are truly passionate about, especially at the point of midlife? And I'm not sure whether you're wanting me to answer or giving people time to. Yes, I want you to answer that question. Why is it important Mm. that individuals identify their purpose in life and know what they are truly passionate about? Well, the world's values sustain us for the first half of life. You know, we're fed these things that we're meant to aspire to. So, for example, you know, a great job, an education, you know, um, you know, a, a particular kind of partner, mm-hmm. a certain kind of lifestyle. Um, and, and those sort of, um, I call them fool's gold, you know, fool's gold, that idea of it looks like it's something precious, but it's not. Um, and, and I find that that fool's gold sustains people until they reach the age of about 36, 37, 38, when suddenly the paint falls off and they realize that they're looking at something that isn't actually that meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, and what most people will go through is they will continue to try to make those things important because they're lost as to what else they can possibly focus on or be or do in the absence of that having any meaning. Um, so really midlife is the time. And, and there are people listening who might be you know younger than this and aren't feeling this. And if that's the case, don't worry about it. Keep on, keep on, you know, aspiring to what you already aspire to. But if you've hit that stage of your life where it's starting to feel meaningless, 
you're starting to feel frustrated or bored or, um, you know, like a, a fake um, that's, that's what, that's when we have to actually find what we really care about. And normally midlife is about digging really deep into remembering who we truly are, mm-hmm. um, and finding the things that we actually care about beyond the things that are going to get us a certain result. Right. Um, so normally, uh, if I can just, you know, this may seem like a digression, but I'm holding onto the rope. Um, uh, Normally, when we are still in that kind of ego state of mind where we think this is going to make me look good, uh, mm. we're still hanging on to those first half of life values. But when we start to move into this uh, mindset of it's actually more important for me to serve and even if that is not easy on my ego, even if that um, makes me feel vulnerable, um, but the purpose is on serving others, um, then that's when we start to, to move into the second half of life and what we're really about. Um, Mike, Keith, one of the things I just want to share is that um, around purpose, I was asked to do about, maybe about five years ago, I was asked to do a talk on legacy. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I said, do I have to talk on legacy? Because I wasn't really that interested in it. Um, and they said, yes, I want you to talk on legacy. And so I prepared for the talk and I was reading these different books. And the thing that actually... I noticed with the the things that I was reading was there was this consistent message coming through and the consistent message that I was getting from these books was in order to have any kind of legacy or leave any kind of legacy behind, um, we first have to actually go back to who we truly authentically are and it's only when we find out who we truly are and what really matters to us beyond all the bling of life um, it's only then that we start to be ourself in the world and it's only when we're truly being ourself that a legacy is even possible. So this is why I think it's really easy um, in life to think I need to find my purpose, but we often have to do quite a lot of deep work. Uh, it's not an easy thing. It's not something we can pull off the shelf. It often involves going back to finding out who we truly are, what we don't care about, um, you know, uh, remembering who we are. Um, and then often the purpose will emerge on its own. I think that is wonderful. You know, and even because you mentioned that even if there are individuals who may not necessarily be at midlife but younger, one of the things that I like about having this conversation is is that we can provide information to those who haven't reached midlife yeah. so that they don't necessarily have to make the same mistakes those have yes. made who are at midlife. Exactly. You know? And I think that that's why this is a very important conversation. You know, and when we talk about purpose, you know, have you found that those individuals or those men that you coach who are at midlife Mm. end up having uh, the quote unquote midlife crisis because they had not necessarily tapped into or followed their true passion and purpose? Yeah, it it pretty much invariably. And I think that um, I think that there is such a um, it's it. I think that there's a stigma around midlife in that it's something that um, by nature, when people think about it, it's like, how do I get out of this? It's almost like you reversed your car into the wrong driveway and it's like, how can I back out? This is awful. I don't like this blind alley, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to look at it as like a midlife, like reawakening or an opportunity. Um, And something that is very difficult to avoid, we can definitely soften it. One of the things that I find is that if a man is already uh, pretty balanced, 
has um, has a balanced attitude towards life, and interestingly, a spiritual um, a spiritual foundation. He will normally avoid having the car crash that can occur with midlife when people have only been uh, pursuing empty things. So um, by having some sort of a spiritual foundation, it keeps people grounded. It keeps people focused on what truly matters rather than what the media will tell us what matters. Um, so we can definitely um, we can definitely soften it if we see someone in their you know thirty early, you know early thirties mid thirties. It's like okay, how do we start to help them become more truly authentic? You know, authentic to themselves. Um, that makes midlife easier. But when when we are pretending to be something that we're not, that's normally when life will wake us up. Um, some people look at it as like you know it's like the soul's cry for a recognition, and it's like. You know, you've been ignoring me for, let's say, 37, 40 years, but I'm here, you know, like I'm this deeper part of you. And if you don't listen to me, I will make you listen to me. And I know men that are, um, have gone through their whole 40s and, and even into their 50s who are avoiding facing their midlife. And what happens is that they they end up becoming these shells of uh, of, of men where they're still aspiring to those empty things. They may not they know those things don't satisfy them. They know they're not being on some level real, but if they're afraid to face into it, it will make it will create a very hollow second half of life uh, like, uh, where, where people will still continue to, for example, try to find meaning in, for example, finding the perfect woman. A lot of men, um, and women do this too, a lot of men will think if I just find the the perfect woman, my life is going to be satisfying, um, but that's a false goal because um, a woman isn't meant to give you your life meaning. You're meant to give your life meaning. I like the word you use, reawaken. You know, mm -hmm. one of the things that I like to say is that I don't particularly help people discover their purpose. Yeah. I help them uncover. Yes, exactly. Because it's like... Yeah, digging deep. Yes, digging deep. Because I think that what happens is, is that we go throughout life, um, especially trying to please other people. We go throughout life um, doing things that are not authentic to who we really are. And so each time, we, every year or every day that we go throughout life not living our authentic or not being our authentic selves, we are covering it up. Exactly. We are burying it deeper. And then we get to our 30s or we get to our 40s and our 50s and we have to spend time uncovering it again. Exactly. And, you know, it, it is, it's kind of like, you know, real gold mining, you know, looking for the real stuff. Right. And, yeah. And, you know, someone said to me years ago, let your mess be your message. And I really think there's a lot in that in terms of discovering what are we meant to you know, to do with our life. You know, what are the challenges that we've faced, um, and and how can we help others through that? I mean, if I can share, when I hit about thirty seven, thirty eight, I think I was thirty eight. Um, I hit my midlife crisis. You know, bang on. It was like, wow, what is going on with me? And um, it was really, really difficult to understand what on earth was going on until I. I happened to come across a book uh, which which really helped me. It was called Understanding the Midlife Crisis by Peter O'Connor. It's a fabulous book. Um, and and then I realized that it was meant to happen. It's like puberty. Why would we want to avoid puberty? 
you know, <laughs> because there's something good on the other side of it and that's right. adulthood, yeah? And so why would we want to avoid midlife because there's something so much better on the other side? But my own midlife um, experience and the feelings and the anxiety and the fear and the, you know, all of that stuff that comes with it, which is meant to come with it, um, you know, as I went through that, I thought, oh, my gosh, because I've been through this, I could recognize it in others and I could reassure them and support them and help them know that they were absolutely on track. When we're going through midlife, don't think there's anything wrong. Just know that you are right on track. And so that's an example of me and my mess becoming my message. Um, so I think that often, you know, the struggles that we have in life and um, what, what we are continually banging our head against, um, that can offer often point to what our purpose is as well. Um, to, to use another quote, which I really love, it's like, you know, um, the, obstacle, um, the obstacle is the path. So a lot of people think, oh, I've got these obstacles in my way. Well, those obstacles are meant to become your path. If you lean into the obstacles of your life, you know, they will tell you where you need to go and where you need to develop rather than trying to avoid them. Wow, what's some some great nuggets you're giving us. You know, the obstacles become your path. Yeah, the obstacle is the path. That is awesome. And we must lean into the obstacles. Yeah, Lean into the obstacles. Well, I think you answered the next question that I was going to ask you, and that was how has knowing your purpose enhanced your life and your business? But we will move on to the next question that I have, and that is what's been the biggest obstacle that Mm -hmm. you've had to overcome Mm -hmm. in your life in pursuing Mm -hmm. your passion and doing the work that you know is purpose for you? That's that's actually it's it's a very it's a really good segue. Um I believe that the the obstacle for me has been, uh, well, there are two. Okay. Uh, well, actually, there are probably twenty seven, but the two, <laughs> the two to come to mind that come to mind is one is um, you know actually speaking to that one is being able to focus on one thing. Life throws more opportunities at us than we can ever possibly make anything out of, and whether that's you know, something that we can read or someone that wants to meet up with us or an opportunity. I mean, I was recently being um, pursued by Google to start coaching uh, their people there. And um, it just wasn't worth my time because it would mean four hours in traffic for a one-hour meeting. And even though it's a wonderful organization and very intelligent people, I mean, I'm not sure, maybe, you know, I thought I can't do this because my time is so critical for me um, and I know what I can be doing with that time that's about my purpose. Um, so not being distracted by beautiful, shiny things um, and, and sticking with the thing that we, uh, that we really care about. Um, so that was, that was an example of an obstacle of, you know, these things come up that are very tempting. Um, the second obstacle I would say is my... Um, introversion and my, I like to keep a low profile. I, I, you know, I'm not shy, but I do like to be very, uh, economical with my energy. I like to make sure that how I spend my time is really a good investment. So, um, so by wanting to keep a low profile as well, it's been, it's my, one of my obstacles is putting myself out there and having people know that I'm here to help them. Because by nature, I actually like to have a quiet life, but I feel like I, I've got a lot to offer and I, 
I need to let people know that there's someone here that can support them on the journey. So that's it, the visibility in a way, being willing to be visible, Marquis. Wow, wonderful response. Well, we're going to go into some questions that kind of help us to get into uh, your business as far as uh, your entrepreneurial uh, coaching practice, as well as just some things that will help others with their own personal productivity and pursuing their passion. And so the first question I have is, where do I start if I know I'm not living my purpose and doing work that I truly am passionate about? The first thing um, I would suggest is that you forgive yourself and, and give yourself a break and know that, okay, so I'm doing something that I don't care about. I'm, I'm not on purpose. You know, my life might not feel like it's meaningful or, you know, um, I, I think a lot of people become stuck because they beat themselves up and studies have shown that when people resist where they are, it takes them far, far longer to change. So one of the things I tell my coach, my clients when I first meet them, if they're being hard on themselves is lighten up, give yourself a break, where you are is normal and if we can accept that you are where you are right now, you will change a lot faster. So that is the first thing I would, I would recommend that they do. And I like what you said. You said forgive yourself. Yeah. Forgive yeah. yourself for not being where you feel like you should be or forgive yeah. yourself for uh, possibly you know, making some wrong decisions that have caused certain experiences in your life. You sure. know, forgive yourself for not having the best of relationships over uh, sure. the years to kind of help you be more productive. Forgive yourself for anything that you feel like has been a hindrance. But yeah. after you forgive yourself, the best thing you can do is to start walking in the direction that you know you should walk in. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's funny because I think that a lot of people are interested in a, the quick fix. Mm -hmm. um, but I really believe that this, this part of life is about the slow fix. And it's about the journey and the mastery and the, and the, the one step at a time approach. Um, I, I really believe that if we have a goal that's worthwhile, it doesn't matter whether that goal takes us six months or six years or 16 years to reach. Um, it might even be that uh, I heard a wonderful um, little story recently about the man that, um, uh, the man that invented, uh, was it Taekwondo or Kung Fu? I think it was a Kung Fu creator in Japan. Uh, when he was finally buried, he asked to be buried in his white belt, which is the belt of the beginner. Because wow. he knew that the path was mastery. It's not about perfection or ever being there. Um, and so I love that humility and his willingness to say, I'm still a beginner, even at the end of his life. So try to look at it as a, a slow fix and a, and a turning of the ship. Um, I would encourage anyone to find themselves a wise coach. Try to find someone that is that is in the second half of life themselves. Mm -hmm. someone that is willing to let you go there rather than just rev you up and get you, you know, someone that's willing to kind of sit with you a little right. um, and start to notice what are the things that you're drawn to repeatedly? Like what are the books that you are continually reading? What is the stuff that holds your attention? If you have a choice between two shows on TV, you know, what is the thing that, that appeals to you more and where your interest lies and, and that, though, that's going to be the kind of thing that starts to tell you, you know, what you value uh, and what you're drawn to. But I really, I really recommend finding yourself 
a wise mentor, a wise coach, try to find out what your values are and someone that's, um, that's not going to um, rush you. Often when I work with people in midlife, Markeith, I work with them less frequently because they need time to digest. Um, there are other people in the past where, I, you know, they, they needed more velocity, but, but midlife is a, 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 um, it's a transition, not a quick change. Midlife is a transition, mm. not a quick change. I like to pull out those, what I would call, or some people would call tweetables. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. But that is a great tweetable. Mm. What is your number one ritual or practice that helps to keep you motivated in life and in work? There are a few. Okay. Um, well, f- for life. Um, I, I like to exercise seven days a week because it keeps my energy going um, and it gets me out of my head. I spend a lot of time in my head, so that's something that I, I really feel as though when I exercise frequently, my life is different. Uh, that, defi- that increases my motivation. Um, on a, a motivational level, uh, intellectually, I, I read a lot all the time. Um, sometimes I read a book slowly but I'll be reading. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Other times it might be just for, you know, information, but it's not, but very often the best work is reading when I read for change and transition as I read the book. Uh, so I, I surround myself with amazing content. Um, something that I find useful as a practice, which I wouldn't necessarily call motivating, but I would definitely call grounding is I, I do something called morning pages every day. It's from a book called The Artist's Way which is about spending every morning just writing three full scap, uh, you know, three pages of um, just automatic writing. And, and I find that is very grounding and it helps me understand myself. It empties my head of concerns and anxieties and just the monkey mind that we have and, and helps make my thinking clearer for the rest of the day. The Artist's Way is an amazing book, if anyone is interested. It kind of reminds me of um, Stephen Pressfield's book, The Art of War. Oh, or the War of Art, the War of Art, I believe is the Ooh, name. That's of it. interesting. Yes, it's a very, very good book, The War of Art. Oh, I'm writing that one down. Stephen Pressfield. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, at what point did you realize that, hey, I can make the things that I am passionate about, uh, I can take my purpose and engage it? and turn it into possibility and even profit? Um, well, in a way, there are, there, are sort of, there are two stages because I first, had my, I first found a coach when I was about 32 years old mm-hmm. and I loved working with him. I'm 46 years old now and um, I love working with him and I would go and see him every fortnight and I, he definitely helped me get some big results in my life and make some good changes. And, and after about a year of working together, you know, he started asking me for advice on how we should craft his programs because by then I'd already had about 15 years of personal development. My father got me into it really early. Okay. Um, and then he told me that I really should be doing it for my, you know, I should be to be a coach as well. And so he was really a mentor for me. Um, and I just knew, I just knew when, when I was doing my coaching training, my initial training, um, I thought to myself, I, I would do this for free. I just love it, you know. Um, so... So it was wonderful to finally have my own business doing something I felt really, really passionate about. And it took a lot of work and a lot of focus and it wasn't easy, but 
it was a wonderful feeling because ever since then I have continued to love coaching and it becomes more and more and more interesting to me. So it reminds me of uh, Nietzsche who once said, never marry a woman unless you think she's going to be interesting when she's 80. And I really think that it's the same with the career. You know, never marry a career unless you think you're going to keep on finding it more and more and more interesting. Um, so that was really a wonderful feeling to find coaching. And then with the midlife uh, niche, it was it just kept coming back to me. I just kept seeing it in clients and seeing it in myself. And what is this thing that we're meant to be doing with this midlife? Um, and I've actually found that once people know what I'm specialising in, the conversation just becomes really interesting. So um, that's definitely a sign to me that I'm on the right path. You know, I've asked this question before to some other guests, and I like to use this question to kind of help people understand how coaching can really be beneficial to their lives. And so what is the difference between coaching, Mm -hmm. hiring a coach, and just having a mentor? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a good question. Well, I have had mentors and they have been fantastic. Um, a, a mentor will generally give you their point of view on what on what they did and how it might be able to help you. It's an outside-in approach. Um, it's like, you know, these are the things that have worked for me. Um, and if they really care about you and they're willing to see you in your individuality, um, it can be incredibly beneficial. But my, my mentor changed my life. You know, his name is Richard Payne. I really love that man. Every day I think about what he taught me. And um, however, um, there's, you know, in the, in the sort of the talk of the Holy Grail, in the past, the Holy Grail, um, you know, when the Knights of the Round Table, they decided to go in search of the Holy Grail. And so they would drop these knights off on the edge of the forest at different parts. And then they would say, you know, go to it, go and find your path through the woods to find the Holy Grail. Um, and what would happen is even if someone had had a successful path through the forest, if someone else followed in their path, that would bring shame upon him because it wasn't his own path. And that's where I think the danger is in mentoring, is you're essentially following someone else's path if you're not careful. Whereas coaching, ideally, if it's done correctly, is all about helping you discover who you are from the inside out. Mm. And you, yeah, and so you will, if you want to cut your own path in life, find a coach. But it's really, really important that you find a coach that doesn't have an ego. And it's really hard because you know what? I struggle with this every single day, Markeith. It's like, how do I keep myself back in the box when I'm working with this person and help them become who they are, not how I see them to be? Um, so as much as you can find a, a coach with humility and wisdom and that is willing to let you shine rather than have them shine, the coach should never be the important person in the coaching relationship. That is an awesome, awesome gr- response to that question. Thank you so much. Well, we're preparing to close out on the show, but I like to leave uh, the show having asked a few questions about resources and different things that mm-hmm. have helped you along the way that may be beneficial to my community who listen to the Shift Your Life podcast on a weekly basis. And so what's one online resource tool, website or app that has enhanced your particular productivity? Yeah, um, the one that has, has really 
profoundly changed my productivity in the last, uh, let's say, nine months is Evernote. Um, I'm, I'm a big thinker. Evernote is a free uh, software you can get online. It, it goes to your iPad, your, you know, your iPhone. It, it syncs across everything. Um, and, and you can create a number of notebooks in there. And so I keep a notebook for every single client. Um, I keep a notebook for every single project I'm working on, um, every single sort of like area of thought I have. So anything that I could classify as something I keep on Evernote. And what that does is it, it allows me when I have an idea or a thought to instantly take it out of my mind and stick it into Evernote. And then when I'm ready to focus on that area, I can go back and I've got everything waiting for me. It's essentially helped me to free my mind mm-hmm. um, and to not feel like I have scraps of paper everywhere because it can be the most mundane things of, you know, um, really mundane things, but it empties out my mind and I just love it. What books, one or two books, have had the biggest impact on you and what are you currently reading now? The biggest impact on me? Wow. There's a book I recently read which I really love and I agree with completely. It's a book called Essentialism, The mm. Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Yes. Yes, it's a, it's a fantastic book. I really, um, it resonates with me. Um well, the one I mentioned earlier had a profound effect on my life, and that was understanding the midlife crisis. I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't read that book when I needed it um, by Peter O'Connor. A book I really want to recommend to anyone that's listening, if you're willing to reflect, is Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life. Um, and uh, so that's Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life, How to Finally Really Grow Up. Um books I'm reading at the moment. Uh, I've got one that I want to start um, looking at more, which is quiet, you know, which is, uh, you know, um, the power of introverts in a world that won't stop talking or can't stop talking. So uh, there's, a, there's a heck of a lot. Um, I'm also part of a book group. So I'm, I'm reading a work of fiction at the moment called Night Circus, which is amazing. Awesome. Well, each of these books will be listed on the show notes and hyperlinked so that you can check out those books that Catherine mentioned. What's one exciting thing going on in your business right now that you are really excited about and would like to share? Well, really, the, the thing that, that I'm, I'm most excited about um, is, is this uh, focus, because I've been working with so many people over the years, of this, this definite focus on how can I add the most value to men at midlife and, and what what is it that is actually helping them and digging really, really deeply with that? Um, so someone said to me early, you know, someone said to me years ago, early in life go wide, later in life go deep. If mm. you never go wide, you'll never know what's out there. And if you never go deep, you'll never specialize. So right now I'm in that well of specializing in, in men at midlife and the stages of men's life and things like that. And it's something that I find fascinating. So that's where my focus is right now. Wow, you're giving us some great nuggets. Early in life, go wide. Mm-hmm. Later in life, go deep. deep. If oh. you never go wide, you'll never know what's out there. But if you never go deep, you'll never specialize. Very good. Very good. Mm. Well, can you tell the listening audience where we can find you online? Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me pretty easily. My name's Catherine Hosey, uh, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, Hosey, H-O-S-I-E. There aren't many of us. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm under San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. You'll find that my 
my profile shot is consistent so you'll recognize me. Uh, you can go to my website, katherinehosey.com. Um, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn or whatever, then, you know, you'll see any updates and so on I'm making. Um, so I'm pretty easy to find. You can Google me. I try to keep a very, uh, you know, I've got a bit of a profile up there online. Wonderful. Well, all of Catherine's uh, URLs will be listed in the show notes and hyperlinked as well. And so if you just visit my website, markeithbrayton.com, and go to the show notes for the podcast, you will be able to connect with Catherine. Catherine, Mm -hmm. one last piece of advice that you would like to give to the listening audience on today. What's one thing that you would leave with them as we prepare to wrap up? Oof. Uh, I would say, you know, the best advice I can give to anyone that can relate to this conversation that we're having today is let go and find out what happens when you uh, allow yourself to, to, to fall into midlife and, and see what comes up for you. And don't be afraid of, of turning away from the truth of what's coming up for you because it's, uh, it's the truth because you're meant to know it. You know, it's coming up because you're meant to know it. So that's the main thing I would say. Try to let go of those false gods of the first half of life if you feel as though they're not working for you anymore because there's something so much better on the other side. Well, I want to thank you for joining me on my podcast. This has been a wonderful interview, and I am so appreciative of you taking the time out of your busy schedule to share Mm -hmm. your wisdom, share your knowledge, and share some of the great nuggets that you have shared with our community. And so you will be able to connect with Catherine, as I stated before, If you go to my website at MarkeithBrayton.com and you click on the podcast interview with Catherine Hosey, and there you will find in the show notes all of the hyperlinks that you need to be able to either listen to the podcast again or connect with Catherine via her websites. It's also been a pleasure just to have another week and another opportunity to share the podcast with you on today. It has been my privilege to share this content with you each and every week that we have an opportunity to interview an awesome guest. I want to let you know that also you can find on my website an opportunity to get a free coaching consultation, which usually is about 30 minutes, because I really believe that shifting our lives into greater purpose, passion, and prosperity brings forth a great fulfillment, great joy, and great opportunity for us to be a shining light in this world. And so if you are interested in having a 30-minute consultation, you can go to my website, markeithbrain.com, click on the coaching tab, scroll down to the bottom, and fill out the information Uh, packet there and I will get an email stating that you are interested in having a 30-minute consultation. Also, be sure to stop by iTunes and rate today's show. And remember that all of these recordings can be on my website at markeithbraden.com. And so as I always like to end the show with a word of encouragement, I want to end the show today with this. Always shoot for the top because it is the bottom that's overcrowded 